Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, an in-depth look at the People's Party of Canada's surge in the 2021 election, including a one-on-one interview with PPC leader Maxime Bernier. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Hello and welcome to Canada's Most Irreverent Talk Show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show here on Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. Five days to go until the 2021 election. That's coming up on Monday. If you haven't voted yet, you can vote on Monday or you can also head out. The advance polls are done, but you can head out to vote by special ballot if you're so inclined, which is just writing. You know, I don't even worry about it. Just vote on election day. I I feel like devoting like the first three minutes of the show to explaining special ballots isn't the most judicious use of time. In any case, hope you all had a great weekend. I was actually, as you'll learn in the next little while, spending my time out west. I was doing a bunch of coverage in the Calgary area, which will come out next show. And then I went up to the Edmonton area and I went all the way out to Lloydminster and back covering the People's Party of Canada as Maxime Bernier did a tour through Alberta. And a lot of people a couple of weeks back when I was on the road with the Conservatives said, well, why aren't you covering the PBC? I said, we are. We're we're going to cover them. This was always the plan. We were just waiting for the right moment. And I had been in touch with the People's Party media team and said, okay, where's a good time? And they said, well, why don't you come on out when we're doing a swing through Alberta? So I did exactly that. And I'm just going to preface this right out of the gate by saying I do not have a team. When I was reporting on the Conservatives, people were saying, why are you shilling for the Conservatives? When I've reported on the PPC, people tell me, why are you shilling for the PPC? When you're going to hear me next show go into the Maverick party a little bit, I know I'm going to get the same thing. Why are you shilling for the Mavericks? I am reporting it so you can decide for yourself. All of these are part of the Canadian political establishment, and none of them get a fair shake from the media. So that's the whole point. We're just trying to spotlight these parties, these politicians, and the ideas that they're bringing into the campaign so that people who are interested can enter this in good faith and have a sense of what is all happening. And I should say the People's Party story has been, no matter who you are, quite a fascinating one. This is a party that in 2019 got 1.6% of the vote nationally. And I would say say that the time, I did say actually, that they were more likely to do better than than they would in a subsequent election because that was the test election. That was the one where people were not sure what it was going to be. It had momentum. It had a lot of media attention. He was in the debates. And it seemed like, okay, the PPC is going to have an uphill battle trying to capture that or improve upon it in the next election. Something very fundamental changed between 2019 and 2021, however, and that is the COVID pandemic and specifically the assaults on liberty that have been taking place in pretty much every jurisdiction in Canada that have become really the backbone of the PPC campaign. And I'm going to play an interview very shortly with Maxime Bernier that I did on the road in, I believe it was in Mundare, Alberta. It was in Mundare, actually. I know for a fact it was in Mundare. And actually, quite a beautiful venue. It was an old hospital that's been converted to a private residence. And they were hosting a rally there, and we, we went inside. And we're actually in the operating system, which has been converted into a library. None of this is relevant at all, but I found it very interesting, so I wanted to share it. But Maxine Bernier says this election is a referendum on vaccine passports and vaccine mandates. And it was very easy to see how that was the case. 
Before I get to the Bernier interview, I want to give you a bit of context on the PPC. Because in the first week of the campaign, people were starting to see, you know, 3-4%, and, and that was looking a little bit higher than most were expecting. And no one really paid attention to it in the legacy media, because they assumed it was a blip. And then it held up. And then it started increasing and increasing. And then you had polls showing the People's Party at 9, 10, 11%. If you look at Alberta, some polls had them at like 20 and 21%. And they have actually held this. They've sustained this for the entirety of the campaign and for the most part have only improved. Now, some pollsters like Ecos have had higher numbers than others have. But at the same time, we're looking at a party here whose momentum, while still small relative to other parties, its vote share rather, has momentum that other parties don't necessarily have. So the reason I think this is important is because no one in the media was talking about the PPC, in the mainstream media anyway, whereas we always have been, because we always knew there was something happening here. And again, I, I'm not under any delusion. I'm not saying that the PPC is going to form a majority government. Even Maxime Bernier is not saying that. But there was something happening here that was being missed. And interestingly enough, the CBC had a couple of people at an Edmonton rally that Bernier did on Saturday, but they didn't have anyone following him. And I asked Maxime this when we were out on the road. I said, have, have there been any other journalists from any other media outlet at any point of the campaign that have followed you on your tour like I'm doing right now? He said, not one. Not one. So as it stands, and this may change in the next uh, five days, True North is the only media outlet in Canada that has actually covered Maxime Bernier's tour. Individual events here and there, interviews, sure. But the only outlet that's covered the actual tour is True North. And I'm wondering, what is it that people are not seeing? Because CBC ran a story about an event they weren't even at. And you can see it on the screen here. They embedded my tweet, because I did a video of it. They embedded my tweet of the event because they didn't have anyone there. And, and that's fair game. I mean, you're allowed to embed tweets. But it just goes to show that you get, you get part of the story if you actually show up and if you're on the ground. And even the CBC seems to be conceding that there's a story around the People's Party. And John Ibbotson in the Globe and Mail, who I've interviewed before, I've always thought him to be very fair. I don't always agree with him, but I, I don't need to to like or respect someone, has written a story here where he says the People's Party is far outside the mainstream of Canadian politics, but it deserves representation. And he says that the People's Party is, yeah, they're out, they're out there. They don't align with where a lot of the other parties do. For example, you had the Green Bloc Liberal NDP Conservative leaders all join together to do a vaccine PSA because they could all agree on this and say that we're all in this together. And then you had Maxime Bernier saying, "Ah, oh, screw that. I, that. That's dumb. I, I don't want to. I, I wouldn't want any part of that if he were even invited." So the whole point of this is, yeah, the PPC is really standing alone on a lot of key issues. And that's been part of their pitch. I remember when Bernier launched his campaign and he said, vote for us because the other parties all suck. But that at the time seemed like just a, a cheap joke to a lot of people, but now has become the quintessential part of the PPC's success because everyone always talks about vote splitting. But right now, you have a lot of people in Canada who think that all of the major mainstream parties are fundamentally the same on a lot of key issues, or maybe not even a lot of key issues, on one or two key issues. Because the coalition that is behind the People's Party right now is not a conservative coalition, necessarily. This is what I've seen, again, very anecdotally. 
but I, I'm a firm believer in picking up just a sense of things when you're on the ground. For example, the Trump election, people who were driving around in Michigan and Ohio in 2016 knew Trump was going to win. The polls didn't show that, but people on the ground were, were sensing something was there. When I was at uh, the Bernier event, specifically in Edmonton, I was seeing a group of people that were not a replication of what I've seen when I've covered conservative rallies. I, just to give one example here, and, and I'm not saying this to make fun of the woman. I had a lovely conversation with her. I'm actually saying it because she represents something very important in Canadian politics right now. She was dressed in very, I'll say, earthy clothing. She had sort of a long gown. She was wearing, I, I don't know the proper name for it, but she had a gemstone on her forehead. And I was chatting with her, and she was a, an, a Reiki energy healer. She was homeschooling her children because she wanted to, and I, I'm paraphrasing raising this, but sort of teach them in a way that was, I believe she called it new earth education, not familiar with it. Very nice woman. Wish me blessings as I went on my way. This is not a woman who you'd expect to see at a conservative party of Canada event, but she was a diehard Maxime Bernier supporter, a PPC supporter. She was there. And the reason she told me was freedom. Chief Calvin Bruno of the Papa's Chase First Nation was there. He said that he aligned with the PPC view of freedom. He said Indigenous Canadians have had their freedoms taken away. They know what it's like. They see what's happening to the rest of Canada and Canadians, and they stand with you. That was what he said. He presented Maxime Bernier with a ceremonial blanket. Now, interestingly enough, I reported on this because I, I did an interview with him and he had said, and you can see it in the story here, that he supports uh, the People's Party's uh, plan, the People's Party's vision. And then there was another story that came out from, I, I think, an Indigenous-aligned media organization that said, no, just because they give a blanket doesn't mean they, they support the PPC. But that's not actually what the guy said when, when he was there. So uh, again, there was a lot of, uh, I think, pushback because people didn't want to see a legitimization of that nature of Maxime Bernier and the People's Party because the media right now has been hell-bent on just keeping them on the fringes, keeping them on the margins, which is why they weren't in the national televised debate. So all of that is to say that there's this perception, and I think in 2019 this was mostly the case, that People's Party was where disgruntled conservatives went. People who were on the right side of the conservative party that thought the conservative party had gone too far left. They would vote PPC. And you have a lot of that. Certainly when we got out to rural Alberta, a lot of the people that I talked to, almost all of them were former Conservative Party of Canada voters. Some of them were former non-voters, and we'll talk about them later on. But moreover... The people coming out to vote for the PPC are not traditionally Conservative Party of Canada voters. And this is a very important point. And this is how you can have the PPC polling at 10% while the Conservative Party of Canada is polling in the lead above the Liberals. It's a, well, hang on, where, where did all those votes come from? It's not a surprise to me that green votes are low. Remember, a green voter is someone who's already sort of accepted that they're okay voting for a party who has no chance of winning. They've already accepted that voting for someone outside the political establishment is fine and it is perhaps desirable. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that a lot of green voters or traditional green voters have gone over to the PPC. And some polling, Matt Gurney did a great breakdown of this in the line. Matt Gurney points out that uh, some of the numbers here are suggesting that non-voters, people that normally don't vote, make up quite a significant portion of the PPC's base right now. And all of this, 
all of this has to be looked at through the perspective of what is the anti-lockdown movement saying? What is the anti-vaccine mandate movement saying? There's a reason that we have tens of thousands of people showing up in rallies around the country because they don't feel there is a voice in politics. Liberal, conservative, NDP, they don't feel there's a voice in politics that is hearing them that they've had enough of lockdowns, they've had enough of these civil liberties uh, infringements, they've had enough of vaccine passports and vaccine mandates. And, and all of this is creating this new wave of single-issue voters that only one party is really prepared to capture, and that's the People's Party. Now, how well they get the vote out, how well they actually get these people to the polls, I don't know. One thing you may not realize if you've never been involved in politics before is that parties spend a lot of money, a lot of money on something called GoTV, G-O-T-V, get out the vote, which is taking people you know are your supporters and, and actually facilitating as best as you can getting them to the polls, bombarding them with phone calls, knocking on their doors, in some cases offering to drive them to the polls, hanging up a little door hanger on their front doors, all of these things. This is part of a GoTV campaign. You need people to do that. You need money to do that. I don't know if the People's Party has that organization. The push that I was hearing from them was that they wanted volunteers to help scrutineer. They wanted volunteers to supervise the ballot process because people are concerned about fraud. This is not an election in Canada. Canadian elections are, are fairly fraud-proof. I'm not going to say it can't happen, but the issues that you see in the U.S. are not here. You vote. It's a simple ballot. Ballots are counted where they're cast. We don't use electronic voting machines at the national level, at the federal level in Canada. But it's an issue for people, and that's why parties and candidates can send scrutineers to supervise this. So the People's Party, from what I saw, was not pushing for volunteers to help get out the vote. They were pushing for scrutineers. So it's entirely possible that the PPC may have all these people that are ready to support them, but they haven't identified them and don't have a plan to get them out. Just purely, again, anecdotally, I had a number of people come up to me who are people who eschew the mask mandates who were saying, yeah, I tried to vote in the advanced polls and when I showed up, they wouldn't let me vote because I wasn't wearing a mask. And in one of those cases, the guy just voted anyway. And in another uh, couple of cases, the people were actually turned away. So I don't know. Are they going to go back wearing a mask? Are they going to go back and fight it? Are they happy not voting? So, I mean, these are, again, things that could depress or suppress the PPC vote. But make no mistake, that vote is there. And if you have that portion of the country that's feeling disenfranchised by the status quo, there's something that needs to be addressed. And when Trudeau just gets increasingly snide about anti-vaccine mandate protesters and anti-vaccine passport protesters and just starts mocking them and scoffing at them and saying to that one woman the other day, oh, isn't there a hospital you should be protesting at because she heckled him? All of this stuff only furthers that divide. I'll have a little bit more analysis in a moment, but I wanted to share with you my one-on-one -on -one recorded in Mundare, Alberta, just on Sunday with Maxime Bernier, leader of the People's Party of Canada. Here, so how's the, the campaign going so far? It's going well, you know. Uh, I didn't expect that. Uh, in the beginning, our goal was to maybe uh, 
have 4% of the vote, more than triple what we had at the last election, I think it would be doable right now, and we may have more than that. So I, I can tell you, since the beginning of that campaign, the momentum is bigger and bigger every day. Um, and the, the when I'm saying that this campaign will be for us a referendum on the COVID-19 hysteria and the vaccine passport, I believe it would be that. That's giving us a, a big momentum because people understand that, you know, individual freedom and personal responsibility, that's two of our uh, main uh, principles, funding principle of this party. And we always fought for that. I, I spoke against the uh, lockdowns in the beginning of that pandemic with uh, Randy Hillier in Ontario that is supporting us also and helping us. Uh, it's going well and people want to have their life back bef like before COVID. When the People's Party was founded in 2019, a lot of people certainly perceived it to be a, a, a very conservative party, a more conservative version of the Conservative Party. The support you have now doesn't seem to be coming only from traditional conservatives. I've met a lot of people that would align with the left but are supporting the PPC. And I, I'm curious if you could describe where this support is coming from right now. Yeah, first of all, uh, it's not uh, scientific because we don't know any any pollings about that. But, uh, you know, I can tell you that in uh, Saskatoon, uh, our organization there, it's uh, people that uh, work and were volunteers for the NDP. And, and they are coming on side with us and helping us uh, and, and, you know, helping our candidates over there. Because for them, the most important now is uh, it's uh, the violation of our freedoms in this country. And they understand that we are there to fight for them and we are the only party that will fight for them. That's why I said in New Brunswick, I was surprised when I did rallies over there. <clears throat> uh, we had a lot of people that came. And you're right. Uh, I think we can unite uh, this country and Canadians under the freedom umbrella. Um, and the mainstream uh, political parties uh, have the same position on COVID-19, lockdowns, uh, vaccine passport, the conservative, uh, and O'Toole was very clear about that. You know, he said to one of his candidates in Yukon that was against a vaccine passport, uh, he said, okay, you cannot be a candidate. And now he wants to have a registry uh, and, and doing tests every day and a vaccine passport is like Trudeau. So they understand that if they want to live in a free society, we are there. So yes, you're right by saying that it's not only former conservatives that are coming on board, but also people who voted for the Liberals or the NDP. I cannot I cannot tell you if it's a big part of our supporters or not, but uh, when I'm traveling, I have people that came to me and, and are telling me that, and also some people that didn't vote. Uh, I met a, a guy yesterday that he said, you know, I'm 55 years old and that would be the first time that I will vote and I will vote for you. And don't forget in Canada about, you know, 28% of the population didn't vote at the last election. If only half of them are voting for the PPC, we'll be around uh, more, we'll have a support that will grow. And uh, that can happen. I believe that people who didn't vote, people who voted for other uh, political parties, uh, liberal or conservative, are coming uh, with us. But I believe that the majority of our support is coming from uh, former conservatives. It's not just about opposition to vaccine passports. I I'm hearing a lot of people that are against vaccines themselves. You <laughs> yourself have talked about not being vaccinated and because of that you can't even campaign in, in certain provinces especially in Atlantic Canada you have a party right now that's being defined as an anti-vaccine yeah. party by a lot of people are you happy with that 
No, I'm not. Uh, that's the mainstream media. The mainstream media, every time that I'm doing an interview with them, they're saying, oh, this party is anti-mask and anti-vaccine. No, if you believe in freedom, you believe in freedom of choice. And, and, and uh, everybody must be free to decide if they want to have the vaccine or not with the right information, informed consent. And personally, I decided not to take the vaccine. Like I said, I'm 58 years old and my chance of dying if I have COVID are only 0.5%. So I have the data and the statistics on my side, I have 99.5% chances of surviving. So that's why I decided not to take the vaccine. But my dad is 87 years old and diabetic and he has comorbidities. So uh, I, I, I encourage him to take the vaccine because he's at risk. Uh, so everybody must be able to take that decision. So we have uh, people in our in our party, uh, our supporters that decided like me not to take the vaccine, but we have people also that uh, uh, took the two shots and are with us because they know that want to show a vaccine passport for everything that they would do in, in, in civil society. What is it that you see as being the future of the PPC? Because you are polling right now at significantly higher numbers than you were in 2019. But in the first past the post system, even if you have 10% nationally in individual ridings, that could still be zero seats. I know you don't do internal polling and you talk about that regularly, but but are there individual ridings, either your own in Bose or, or other ridings where you think that there could be a few PPC candidates elected this time? But I believe that, you know, in my writing, I'm doing my best to be elected to gain back that writing. Like I said publicly, we started the campaign. I was 10 points behind. And and now I'm about two or three points behind. And we have the same momentum in both that we we have all across the country. So uh, it would be a, a tough fight. But I believe I can win back that writing. And also in Ontario, northern Ontario and the south uh, near Niagara, we have great organization, good candidates there. We may win maybe one or two seats, I don't know. And in Alberta also, uh, as um, as you may know, in um, in uh, Fort McMurray, we have a great candidate and we have all the, the support of the uh, executive of the uh, Riding Association uh, for the Conservative Party of Canada that, is, that are working with our candidate. So I really don't know where, but I believe that we can have some, uh, some candidates in Alberta, in, in Ontario, and me in Quebec or in other province, maybe in BC also. I was surprised of our support in BC. So it's very difficult, but because of that electoral system, it is harder for us, yes, to have people elected. Um, but I believe that uh, we'll have that free freedom voice in Ottawa after this election. On one of my last trips to Alberta, I moderated a discussion between you and, and Derek Sloan, mm -hmm. who at the time was still a member of parliament yeah. and hadn't yet announced what he was going to do. We fast forward to now, he has not joined the People's Party. He mm -hmm. says he's founding his own party, but right now is running as an independent. I know you had reached out to Derek and, and tried to get him to, to seek a, a PPC candidacy. But when you are a party that has splintered off from a mainstream party and then other people that have very similar values are not joining the PPC, mm. what are people to take from that? That this movement that is this sort of independent alternative to the conservative movement can't itself be unified? But, you know, I, I told uh, Derek that he's welcome in our party and we had a discussion. That was his discussion, his decision. I cannot force him to come. Um, and I was surprised that he decided to run as an independent. But I told him it's very hard to create a new party. And now he doesn't have a new party. So uh, he's running in a riding. And uh, we had a discussion. He called me a couple of days after when the election was launched. And he told me that he wants to run in that riding. And at that time, 
we had a great candidate, Nadine. She was our candidate in 2019. She's our candidate now. And I told him, you know, I will support my candidate. You took that your decision not to come with us. Uh, I, I will uh, I will support our candidates. It's too bad. Um, but it was his decision. And well, so, so just to confirm, so he he didn't want to run for the PBC, but he wanted you to not run a candidate. Yes, in his uh, absolutely. And I said, you know, first of all, we have a candidate that, and our candidate, Nadine, was the first one approved by Election Canada for a party all across the country. So when he called me, she was an approved candidate. So, you know, I will support my candidate. We'll see, uh, we'll see what will happen. Um, but uh, yeah, it's too bad. But also, you know, I was working with the End the Lockdown Caucus and Randy Ilier uh, is with us and actually his daughter uh, she's running also with us so we have the support of uh, a lot of people uh, and the lockdown caucus uh, uh, police on guard and nurses uh, because they know they know that we are the only option so it's too bad that direct uh, took that decision and i respect that You've said that you don't expect to be prime minister after this coming election. So you do have a, a level of realistic, oh, yeah. uh, a realistic approach to this. But I want to know about what the party will look like. Will you, for example, subject yourself to a leadership review? Why not? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I'm open to that. Absolutely. Uh, after the election, I think, you know, our platform was uh, approved by 49% of the conservative because, as you know, the People's Party platform uh, is the platform that I ran on during the leadership of the Conservative Party in 2017. So that was, it was easier for us to build a party with, with ideas. I took that platform. So that platform was uh, very uh, well received by conservative uh, members at that time. And now it's well received with a lot of Canadians. Uh, but yes, my leadership, I believe that after the election, um, I I'm ready to ask a question to our members if they want me as a leader or not. Uh, I think you, you're right. Uh, it would be a good time to do that. What is it that you think is the real driving force of your support this election? Because you weren't in the debates. And, and as you know, this is something where millions and millions of Canadians tune in. You were in 2019 and still managed to get 1.6% of the vote nationally. This time around, how is your message getting out to people when you haven't, for the most part, been given the attention by the mainstream media? Uh, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, it's very difficult. Uh, actually, uh, the mainstream media, media in your host, uh in the beginning of that campaign, and now they are doing... They try to give us more visibility or coverage, but uh, it, it's not fair. It's not a fair coverage. They are uh, covering the Green Party of Canada, that right now they're around 4% in the polls. Uh, they have 240 candidates. We have 312 candidates all across this country. And and, and the Green Party and all the other uh, establishment political parties uh, uh, share the same views on the most important issues for this country. So... <clears throat> It's an unfair coverage. It's very difficult for us, but we are using social media. I'm speaking to you with you right now, and uh, um, I try to be present with the alternative and independent media. And and I believe that every media must be independent, and that's part of our proposal to cut the fundings to these media. They must be independent and not dependent on the government. Uh, it's more difficult. That's why I'm doing rally, and that's why I'm doing rallies in little uh, town. Because 
I can have a coverage from the local newspaper, the local traditional media, or the local radio station. So for me, the way to bypass the mainstream media is to travel and do interviews with local traditional mainstream media or local radio station and with also independent media like your media. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate that. Have a nice day. That was PPC leader Maxine Bernier sitting down with me in Alberta. And as mentioned, this is a PPC episode of the show delving into this phenomenon here. But this is not an endorsement. We've done this with the Conservatives. And next week, we're going to focus on the Maverick Party a little bit. But keeping along this theme, I, I want to drive into a riding here, I guess literally and figuratively, because I did drive through the riding on Friday, that has been one of the fascinating ones. And it's called Banff Airdrie. And this is a crowded crowded field. You have the major parties, of course, all running candidates. Then you've also got the People's Party, the Maverick Party. You have Derek Sloan running as an independent. You also have two others that are running as independents. So I think you've got nine candidates in total that are in this riding. And many of them are taking very conservative positions. The incumbent is a conservative by the name of Blake Richards. And I reached out to Blake Richards numerous times, tried to get him to do an interview, and would not even give me the courtesy of a reply. So take from that what you will. But I am interested in this riding because it's a riding where a conservative voter has more choice than anywhere else in the country. And I spoke to a couple of the candidates who are vying for that seat. One of them is Nadine Wellwood, who is the People's Party candidate there. Here's a bit of our chat. So who are you and what are you doing? What are you running for? <laughs> who am I? Um, Nadine Woolwich, People's Party of Canada candidate for Banff Airdrie. And what am I doing? I asked myself that many times. Um, we needed a change. We have to have somebody who's going to defend our freedoms and our rights. Um, I'm a chartered investment manager. Every time I listen to Trudeau sing um, Aaron O'Toole, make more promises with money we don't have, it, uh, it just hurts me. So... We have to get back to less government, not more. And, uh, you know, decided that in 2019, I understood the direction that Canada was headed in and got involved. Um, when I heard Maxime speak, I just kind of went, I, I did, I called him my unicorn of politics because I went, this guy's a politician. He doesn't sound like a politician. He's not speaking like a politician. Um, common sense was prevailing. And, um, you know, here I am again in 2021 doing it all over and with a much bigger reception this time around as people, I think, realize that Canada is at a crossroads. Well, let me ask you about that, because in 2019, the PPC was new. Maxime Bernier had a fair bit of momentum. I think there was a lot of curiosity about what this party was going to be. And the, the result of it was Maxime losing his seat and the party getting, I think, 1.6% of the votes. 1.2. So 1.2%. <laughs> all right. An honest politician then. But, but why do you think it's different two years later sufficiently that uh, things could turn? And again, I should preface that by saying we are seeing in the polls much higher support for PPC. But I, I'm I'm curious about why two years later that is different, you think? Well, for one, we're not a new party anymore. You know, people have and are hearing about us again and again. Uh, for two, Max has been out on the road all throughout Canada and promoting the no more lockdowns, you know, and fighting for individuals' rights and freedoms. So people, I think, are beginning to understand this is not about politics. There's something much bigger at play here. And, you know, right now, this election is not about NDP. It's not about conservative. It's not about liberal. It's not about the Green Party. Um, the PPC is consolidating 
all of the votes across Canada, people who want to maintain what made Canada great, what makes us great, and that's our individual rights and freedoms. I mean, if you look at John uh, Diefenbaker, the Honorable John Diefenbaker, in 1960, he delivered the most, one of the most powerful speeches. You know, I am Canadian. I'm not afraid, you know, I, and, and that's what we're up against today. We have every politician, Aaron O'Toole, every leader of every mainstream party that has said, you don't have the right to make the choice, your own medical choices. And Max is the only one that's standing up against that. And we are consolidating votes all across the country, not just the West, not just the East, the entire country based upon values, based upon principles, common sense principles. And people are relating to that. I think in 2019, there was a perception of the People's Party that it was this sort of ultra-conservative splinter from the Conservative Party of Canada. And obviously, Maxime Bernier has used the line that the Conservative Party of Canada isn't a conservative party anymore. But the coalition seems to be very different this time around. And I think you can see that in the polling numbers. Conservatives are leading the polls in a lot of cases, but PPC is still managing to get, you know, 10, 11, 12 percent in, in some cases, certainly when you look in Alberta. Where is that support coming from? Because it can't just be from right of center voters. No, it, it, it's not. It, it's values based. It's principled based. So people this time around understand that this is not an election of, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau or Aaron O'Toole. This is an election of whether or not we choose to live in a free country or you're going to choose to live under a totalitarian government. And that's the part that is rallying, I think, um, our numbers. It's We're uniting people from across all political spectrums. That's the beauty of this. You know, whereas Justin Trudeau and Aaron O'Toole sing, they're all trying to divide the country into vaccinated, unvaccinated, East versus West. And the the PPC has said, we're not going to do that. You know, we stand for values. We stand for principles. Um, the founding principles, you know, of, of Canadian values, freedom, fairness, respect, and responsibility. And that's what people are attracted to. And that's what people are coming um, you know, in support of. One of the reasons I'm interested in Bam Airdrie as a riding is because of just how many choices voters have Nine. here. It, it's getting a little bit Nine. crazy. You, you've not just got the, the Conservative <laughs> Party, the Liberal, the NDP, the PPC, you've got the Maverick Party, you've got, I think, three independents, including one who's fairly high profile within the conservative movement, and, and that's Derek Sloan. First off, why has Banff Airdrie just become this, this clown car of candidates, to use a, a semi-pejorative term? Um... I think there's a number of reasons. You know, Derek Sloan parachuted his way in here from Ontario. You know, he has one foot in Ontario still with his wife running in his old riding. He abandoned his constituents there because he didn't feel he could win. And, you know, he's here to use Albertans and the Albertan conservative vote. And he has a personal vendetta and he has said this himself um, on a number of interviews. He has a personal vendetta with Blake Richards. Um, and I agree, Blake Richards has to go. He has offered no value to this riding. Um, he's running for a fifth term. You know, what, what more does he have to offer? What can he contribute from here? Very little very little and he's the whip so not only has he taken the voice away from uh banff airdrie constituents and residents but he is he's the one responsible for silencing our other 33 uh mps albertan mps and you know we only get 34 seats that's it that's all alberta gets and we were already complaining about not getting enough representation and derek sloan comes to take one 
you know, I, I was very clear um, in, in my response to Derek Sloan and his announcement. You know, people say I was a bit harsh. No, it wasn't. It really wasn't. I'm not going to stand by as an Albertan of 16 years. I've raised my family here. You know, my husband is born and raised in Calgary. Um, this is my home. These are, this is my family. And I'm not going to allow anybody from Ontario come in and say, oh, well, I'm here to save you. Step aside. Um, so he, he underestimated, um, I think, the strength of Albertans and the grit we actually have. But yeah, he has a personal vendetta with Blake Richards. It's all about Derek Sloan, regrettably. And he'll have to answer for that in day 34. You know, if he costs, um, you know, somebody like myself, for example, um, the opportunity to have uprooted uh, Blake Richards. Now, when you talk about an, an Ontarian coming in and, and taking something from Alberta or trying to speak for Alberta, and certainly something we've seen in Canadian politics time and time again, the Maverick Party makes the same claim about the PPC, that at the end of the day, your leader, Maxime Bernier, is a Quebecer, not someone who, who's going to be looking out for the Western interests. So what is your response to that? Jay as, Hill's as from BC. What does is, what is BC have to do in common, anything in common? Like, So let's take a look at the Lower Mainland in BC. What does that have to do anything in common with Alberta, rural Alberta. Absolutely nothing, right? I am not, so this is the thing, Max props me up. Max supports me. Max comes here and says, Nadine, you're on the stage. We stand side by side, right? And he supports that. He's supporting his candidates. Um, he's not here promoting himself necessarily as the leader. Um, of course he is, you know, he's the leader of the party, but he's not, he, he doesn't take all the limelight. Right. He's propping up the Alberta and he's he says, you know, I asked him, I said, Max, you going to silence me? You know, in our, our video, Max is like, <laughs> good luck with that. Um, no, of course not. You know, he gives his MPs the freedom to speak. I can sit here and have whatever conversation I want with you. Um, Max doesn't need to vet it. He doesn't have to uh, approve it. Um, as long as I agree with freedom, fairness, respect and responsibility, um, you know, he understands that, you know, MPs have the right to represent their constituents and their province first. And that's what I will do. So the Maverick Party, regrettably, they're dividing the country, East versus West. The issues as they relate specifically to this election are not East versus West issues. Some of the, the most strict lockdowns occurred in the East, Ontario and Quebec. And what the PPC again is doing is we are uniting all those voices across the country and we are bringing everybody together. Why would we alienate friends that we have in Eastern Canada or the Atlantic Canada or the Maritimes or in BC? So th that's the big difference. And for me, I'm not a Western MP. I have nothing in common with the lower mainland of BC. I'm here to represent my constituents. I'm here to represent my province. And then everything else comes thereafter. One of the challenges in being a, a new party, being a young party, is that the opportunities to get your message out aren't there. We look at uh, this week, of course, Maxime Bernier being excluded from the leaders debate. He's also running as an outsider at the same time. And, and in some cases, it may be entirely possible that not being in the debate works out better for him. But but I'm curious if you're finding people are, are actually aware of the PPC or if, or if you're having to, when you go knocking on doors, introduce this party and this idea to them. Yeah, there's uh, there's not as much. 
Um, we're seeing more and more support. I have people coming to find me, which that didn't happen the last time around. So I'd say there's still probably about 30, 40% of people who have not heard of the PPC, which is probably our biggest challenge. Um, because once we have an opportunity to speak to people and they see our platform, um, you know, CBC, for example, and their, you know, the national, their little clip that they did you know they're sitting there and they're talking to people and, and the one gentleman he's a veteran looking at our platform and he's like yes 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 it's kind of hard to disagree with freedom fairness respect and responsibility it's hard to disagree with giving people the right to make their own medical choices it's hard to disagree with fiscal responsibility you know we can kill this country one of two ways um, the first is to destroy its freedoms and that's the destruction of democracy very quickly. The other one is the destruction of fiscal responsibility. And if you look at even Aaron O'Toole, who's going to print another $100 billion um, and, and spend $100 billion in the next 10 years, and then he claims he can balance the budget after that without making any cuttings, but, you know, cutting any expenses. I sit here as a chartered investment manager and I, it just baffles me. It's like, explain that to me because there's revenues and there's expenses. So if you're not going to cut expenses, then what you're saying is you're going to increase taxes because that's, or you're going to continue to print money. Well, printing money is the cause of inflation. So you have 31% increase right now in food expenses. Um, you have fuel gone up because of carbon taxes. Um, you've got housing Housing is a direct, you could cut 20 to 40% of housing costs tomorrow by getting the government out of the way. None of them are proposing smaller, less government. Government is the biggest expense to Canadians. So let's cut it. Let's cut it. And that's how we get back to affordable living. You mentioned earlier the possibility that, you know, Derek Sloan, as one example, could split enough votes from you that, that it cost you the chance to take down Blake Richards. With so many candidates here, vote splitting is a very real concern beyond what it could be in, in other ridings. And, I, and I'm curious what the nightmare scenario for you is here. Is it that the, the anti-Blake Richards vote is split and Blake Richards loses? Or is it that the conservative vote is split and something really crazy happens in Banff Airdrie, which is the election of an NDP or a Liberal? Yeah, I don't see the election of an NDP or a Liberal here. They did get 10% and 11% respectively in the last election. And I don't think the candidates here are strong, um, to be honest. So, and I think people in Alberta are pretty angry and upset with, you know, the socialist ideology, um, especially with the liberal and the conservative. I think people have a hard time realizing that Aaron O'Toole shares that same ideology. And I think that's just more, you know, deliberate um, willingness to overlook because they, they want to think that the conservative party is still conservative. Um, but in reality, um, seeing a liberal or a conservative or a, uh, an NDP get into this writing, Blake had 71% of the vote. So the, the bigger concern is it would have been nicer to have the People's Party of Canada. We now are polling at 19% in Alberta. You know, like I said to uh, you earlier, you know, for example, with Derek Sloan, if I were to collect, let's say, 28% of the vote and Derek Sloan collects eight, that's 36%. That's, you know, half plus one, and Blake Richards would have been out. He's the one that will have to answer to Albertans for having cost them their opportunity to have a strong voice in Ottawa. 
That was Nadine Wellwood, one of the candidates in the very crowded riding of Banff Airdrie, specifically the People's Party candidate. We'll talk to Tarek Alnaga of the Maverick Party at his ranch, and I'll give you a warning. It involved me getting on a horse, but that'll be next episode. I made it off the horse. That's how I'm uh, back here in the studio to uh, live to tell the tale, as we say. And just while we're on the topic of Alberta politics, Alberta was the one holdout of the vaccine passport. Jason Kenney has said on numerous occasions he doesn't support it, he won't allow it. And then just this week, yesterday as a matter of fact, this press release came out from the Alberta government. New card-sized COVID-19 vaccination record. Albertans can soon get their proof of vaccination on a new convenient card size printout through My Health Record. So it's not a vaccine passport. It's a new card sized COVID-19 vaccination record. Totally different thing. Not a passport at all. It, it's card sized. Passports aren't card sized, right? Yeah. So even Alberta is now distributing a vaccine passport by another name. Now, I'm not going to get too outraged at this because the provincial government basically had no choice. And, and before you jump down my throat on this, just hear me out. I'm against the stratification of society. I'm against the segregation of society, especially, especially down the lines of vaccination status. However, as I've said, it was always going to be inevitable for international travel. Canadians shouldn't be denied the right to go to countries that do require proof of vaccination if they want to and if those countries are otherwise prepared to allow them because they don't have the ability to prove it. Now, the problem is the federal government has used this as a bit of a weapon. The Trudeau government has turned to the provinces and said, well, it's going to take us a while to come up with a national one. So why don't you guys come up with provincial ones and then we'll put like a federal sticker on it, basically. Not a sticker, but we'll put a federal endorsement on it that says, yes, the government of Canada has certified your vaccination status, which meant all of a sudden Trudeau was staring at Jason Kenney. And saying, well, if you're not going to do something, then I guess Albertans just aren't going to be able to travel. And, and at a certain point, you need to be able to prove this in certain contexts. Now, what Alberta better not do is go the route of Quebec and Ontario and other provinces and start making your ability to dine at a restaurant contingent on your vaccination status. That's the, the real sort of vaccine passport fight is governments that insist on controlling. Governments that insist on controlling where the vaccinated and unvaccinated are allowed or not allowed to go. But it also means you have to be on guard for these things. I mean, even if I, I've given somewhat of a defense, not, a, not an enthusiastic defense, but somewhat of a defense of, of what Alberta's done, at the end of the day, they're just call a spade a spade. This is not a card-sized COVID-19 vaccination record. It's a vaccine passport through and through. We've got to wrap things up here. We will have more federal politics talk on the next edition of the Andrew Lawton Show as we count down the few remaining days to the election on Monday. Thank you, God bless, and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to the Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.